Hello, I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. This is indisputable and I just love it when he's on. Okay, our co-host today is the one and only Jeff Wiggins, a proud boasting Columbus man. He loves Columbus, Ohio enormously and why wouldn't you? If that's what you wanna claim, but welcome Rebel HQ contributor. I apologize, I'll let you say hello and then we'll get after it. I mean, hi, hi everybody, hi Sharon. Um, I like I like the green. Um, just as long as nobody asks me about the weather, we are good to go. How's the weather? All right, we'll get to that later. <laughs> uh, we do have a big show, Jeff, and and you're the one to co-host today. We're going to begin uh, with a police officer shooting an unarmed, rather man, in front of a middle school. Um, I want you to watch this first, and then we're going to fill in the gaps. Do you have any weapons? You don't think so? Don't go now. What would you just stick in your mouth? Really? Yo, what's the pill? Let me go. Get up. Get up. Get up. Put your hands behind your back. Put your hands behind your back. Stop. 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 Stop resisting, bro. Stop. Stop playing. Stop playing. Hey, stop hey, playing. Stop playing. Hey, 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 who's screaming out there, middle schoolers right there on the campus. Richard Ward shot by Deputy Charles McWhorter in front of his mother and middle schoolers. This traffic stop, I guess you wanna call it, went on for quite some time. Here is what led up to the shooting, look. What's going on? Wow, calling the cops for me just looking for my little brother, huh? Absolutely. Cool, so, yeah, so just looking for my little brother. Okay, who's the little brother? Eddie's, uh, no, Chase Ward. Okay. Forgot who the little brother was? No. All right. No, I'm just messing with you. I don't know. I'm just messing with you, man. Okay. Why are you touching my arm, bro? Let go. Why are you acting like this? I'm, uh, I'm a little nervous because I don't like cops. Why? Uh, they, I have a anxiety. They've, they've done things to me. What have they done to you? Uh, wait, I mean, stop resisting when you're not resisting. Well, is that PD or us? Who knows? Because we're different, right? We're the SO. I don't know. You should be, that's all. I mean, I'm not just trying to distract you, nothing, but it's just like, I'm just a normal guy just trying to get my brother, you know? You said we treat you? What? I, just, I, I don't know. know. I don't even know who you are. Who did I just disrupt by trying to get my brother? Well, they said that you were going around trying to uh, mess with doors and open up mess cars. With, no, dude, the car looked, I thought, oh my so God. So what'd you do? I, I just want to hear your side of the story, man. Oh, so you're talking, dude, I straight up thought that that was my freaking, my car. That's all it was. You thought it was your car yeah. over here and you were looking for your brother, but... Not well, quite I mean, sure I, was, I straight up thought that was my car. Okay. I see and, and what car was I thought it? That, I thought it was my mom. I was, I was yelling at her. I was yelling at her. I thought, because I, I knew she was in there. I don't even know that lady. Yeah, I know. That's what she was freaking out about, right? Hey, but she was like, oh, but when she started driving, I was like, oh. I was like, oh, man. And I was, and I was like, lady, I'm sorry. I was like, I did not mean, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was, that's, that, that's what happened. So. Okay. Are you under the influence of anything? No. Okay. You have an ID with you? And my, I don't Do you know. have any weapons? Uh, Do 
Do you have any weapons? You don't think so? Don't pull them out. What did you just stick in your There you see the initial interaction when police are called, according to police, and the man who was shot. They roll up on the scene because a woman said he tried to enter her car. He says it was just a mistake. Right after the shooting, here's how deputies reacted. You shot him! Stay in the car. Stop, baby, baby, stop, stop, stop. Sir, hey, I want you to do the dash of man right now. Hey. Hang on. You all right? Yeah, are you? I'm all right. I my nose and then tried grabbing at my stuff. And there you see it. They're not rendering aid to the man down. Deputy McWhorter asked his partner if he's okay, but no one steps in to help Mr. Ward. Now this is happening in Colorado, we should tell you. That's the jurisdiction there. Now the family of 32 year old Richard Ward has filed a wrongful death lawsuit as of February 21st, a day before the one year anniversary of his death. Why was all this necessary? As you saw, Ward died after being shot by a Pueblo County Sheriff's deputy who dragged him from his mother's SUV at Liberty Point International Middle School in Pueblo West. As they waited in line to pick up his little brother, deputy shot Ward three times in the chest. As you saw, Ward died after being shot there. The account given by the sheriff's deputy. The events differ greatly from the body cam footage and Ward's family. Ward's family said he was waiting for his brother to finish school in the back of his mother's white SUV. He was with his mom and her boyfriend. Took a brief walk before returning to that SUV. According to the lawsuit, Ward got into the wrong white SUV upon his return, quickly apologized once realizing he was in the wrong vehicle and returning to his mother's SUV, remaining on the scene, right? The Pueblo County Sheriff's Office claimed that a witness notified school administrators that Ward was banging on car doors outside of the school and appeared to be on drugs. They also claimed the school Principal confronted Warden, told him to wait in his vehicle. Sheriff's office also claimed that when they arrived, Ward jumped out of the vehicle and headbutted one deputy breaking his nose. We watched the body cam footage, okay? It's not what we saw. Pueblo County Sheriff's deputies Charles McWhorter, Cassandra Gonzalez responded to a call from the school. McWhorter was the first on the scene, questioned Ward as he sat in the back of the SUV. It was while searching his pockets, Ward found a loose prescribed anti-anxiety tablet. Quickly popped it in his mouth, which is where things took that drastic turn, deadly turn. 
And as the body cam footage shows us, none of the deputies on the scene provided medical aid to Ward as he lay bleeding on the ground. The deputies on the scene claimed they feared for their lives, despite Ward being unarmed. The 18th Judicial District Attorney's Office ruled the fatal shooting was justifiable. Then you have KUSA rather reporter Stephen Steger recently warned about the lies told by the Pueblo County Sheriff's Department at the time. And how then Chief Deputy Sheriff David Lucero also claimed Ward jumped out of his vehicle during February 22nd, 2022 press conference. That's what they allege. Sager said yet another example for reporters to be cautious about information shared by police in the early stages of these shootings. Neither Mick Water or Gonzalez was fired or disciplined. Didn't get any additional training. McWhorter reportedly was back at work within days of killing Mr. Ward. Family's attorney told USA Today because authorities are refusing to hold the deputies responsible, they will. And so they filed the lawsuit. Um, so much here, Jeff, to unpack. As a journalist for years working in TV, things like this happen. Police fax or email their statement, their incident report. And generally, too often, lazily, broadcast reporters, and that's my background, simply go with it. They pen a script that is the police narrative. And this reporter from KUSA pointed out something that I think I did every day, I tried to. You better be careful, better be careful, Jeff. Well, yeah, the cops lie like all the time. And this particular lie made it seem as if the civilian did something first in order to appropriate or justify their deadly retaliation. But if I can juxtapose the difference between fear and anxiety between the civilian and the cop for a second, the civilian had previous encounters with police that did not go his way. He felt anxiety about this encounter with the police. Luckily found a prescribed anxiety pill, popped it because of said anxiety. And the cop, for whatever reason, got physical over that pill. And I keep replaying that part over, over and over again in my mind. Why was he engaging him physically simply for a pill? And because that cop was afraid for his life, Despite the fact that he was wearing a vest, had backup, and has a weapon, he shot and killed the civilian. This is gross. And I want to go back to the top, though. The cops lie all the time. Like, mm -hmm. this is the thing that they do all the time. And it was so eerie to me when, you know, we, we played the encounter. You heard Mr. Ward saying, well, previously, you know, they'll say stop resisting. And what did we hear? Gonzalez, I believe, the partner mm -hmm. saying during the scuffle where Mr. Ward was killed at really point blank range. I mean, during this scuffle, I even saw a smile. It could have been an involuntary just thing that happened from McWhorter, the one that shot Mr. Ward, when he said, Oh, are you okay? Are you okay? And not fired, not charged, mm. no training. 
Okay, if they're in such fear of their life, Jeff, my question is, they let the mom and the stepdad, this is a dangerous car, remember? They had to yank yeah. somebody out of it. They had to investigate this. This is serious because someone else in line, a woman, I'm not gonna call her Karen. I don't know the circumstances, but she said, some guy just jumped in my car. Okay, whatever. We see these things happen sometimes. I don't find it that odd, but okay, they checked it out. But did they have the mom and stepdad? What if they were dangerous criminals yielding mm. weapons? At one point, they left them in there and then shut the door because they didn't. They, I heard someone say, I think it was Gonzalez, no talking. Mm. This was ludicrous. Not even any more training. <sighs> yeah, and you know the officer was checking on the office, other officer to see if he was okay, despite not very much happening to him, comparatively speaking. And I just. Again, the the rules of engagement are interesting here, and what they chose to do in order to, well, they didn't even try to de-escalate the situation, but they went to straight firearm instead of a taser or mace or, or pepper spray, and that is incredibly crazy to me. Like I don't understand. Like is this appeared to be a run-of-the-mill fight, like somebody trying to get somebody off up off of them. And again, the cop had backup. There was another officer there to hopefully, I don't know, keep them two away from one another. There didn't appear to be any reason why that cop would shoot him. The the civilian who died, it didn't look like he was trying to take their weapon. It looked like he was trying to fight for his life because what happened to him ended up being a self-fulfilling prophecy. You Sharon, you just you just alluded to it a second ago. It was what he said was going to happen. The what did he say? The um, oh, stop resisting, bro. That's yeah. what he said. Yeah, yeah, stop resisting, bro. That's what happened to him in the past, and this is what happened to him this time. So self-fulfilling prophecy, and it's incredibly sad. Yes, it is. As the mother screams out, "You please call 911," and they say, "Oh, we got it." More officers on. What about help for her mm. son? The whole thing is disgusting. It's it's one that we're going to continue to follow. Jeff, uh, but we're going to move on to a, a car maker who I guess now is trying to pretend they're doing the right thing. Hyundai ditching the Alabama plant that was using so much child labor. This is what they were doing to line the pockets of that car maker. It is despicable. In a February 24th letter to shareholders from the Hyundai chief executive, Jay Hoon Chang. The company will divest a 72% controlling stake in Smart Alabama LLC in Luverne, Alabama, direct Hyundai subsidiary, where Reuters last year documented children as young as 12 were working. 72% control, do you think they had no idea? This man, wonder how much money he makes. Company also said recent audits at 29 of its direct suppliers across Alabama made it confident. They are now, he just now audited everybody in full compliance with underage labor laws after working with the US Department of Labor. That statement is full of nonsense. It's just, those are just words. Those are just words that this company released. We're now fully compliant, we're confident after working with the Department of Labor. How many people have to work with the Department of Labor? to not hire 12 year olds to illegally do their bidding and their work.
this is a ridiculous statement from that guy, Mr. Chang. Hyundai pledging to its shareholders. It comes after a 2022 Reuters investigation showing several suppliers to the automaker's massive Montgomery, Alabama vehicle plant use underage migrant workers to make parts for its popular US made cars and SUVs. Gotta roll them out, gotta roll them out. Following Reuters first story on child labor at Smart last July, as many as 10 Hyundai suppliers in Alabama have been under investigation by state or federal authorities for child labor violations. Sounds like a theme, sounds like what they were about. One of the plants was inspected last August. Authorities found and removed several children from the factory floor, later issuing penalties to the plant operator and a third party staffing firm who recruited them. Hmm. Penalties. As Reuters reported earlier, many of the underage workers who found their way into the Alabama auto parts plants were recruited by third party staffing agencies, a process that can allow big corporations to turn a blind eye to the illegal employment of minors. This is incredible. Chang wrote the staffing firms who hired children to work at Hyundai supplier plants have provided false employee documentation. You mean the kind that maybe the automaker could have checked out independently? Okay. In the future, however, Hyundai and its supply chain partners must do more to ensure children are never put to work in their factories. The letter said, US and Alabama law prohibit people under the age of 16 from working in industrial factory settings. And anyone under 18 is prohibited from working in particularly dangerous roles in automotive plants, such as driving forklifts or operating metal cutting and stamping machines. Just last Friday, Labor Department said it found 102 children as young as 13 working hazardous overnight jobs, cleaning slaughterhouses in eight states and what it called a corporate wide failure by one of the largest food sanitation companies in the country, Packers Sanitation Services. The Labor Department says the children work overnight shifts using Caustic chemicals to clean razor sharp saws. Company employs 17,000 workers at 700 sites nationwide. Advocates and lawyers for the children say some of the child workers were unaccompanied minors who recently came across the southern border. Packers Sanitation Services has paid a $1.5 million fine for the violations as dictated by the Fair Labor Standards Act, which allows a penalty of $15,138 for each minor who was employed. Meanwhile, instead of paying adult workers more, some states might let companies hire kids as young as 14 to address labor shortages. This is America, that song. Lawmakers in Iowa and Minnesota have introduced legislation in the last month proposing exceptions to child labor regulations in their respective states due to the persisting labor shortage hitting them particularly hard. Means lawmakers in those two states are returning to a practice common during labor shortages, economics, economists rather, telling the Wall Street Journal's Jacob Bogis last week, hiring younger workers to fill these open roles. The laws take aim at the number of hours that children are allowed to work and protect employers from liabilities due to sickness or accidents written in favor of the employers. 
In the case of the latter, those employer protections dovetail with the kind of dangerous industries the bills are looking to prop up. Construction in Minnesota, meat packing plants in Iowa. The bills come as efforts to expand legal working ages in other states have ramped up recently. And as the US has seen an increase in child labor violations since 2015. Pandemic era labor shortage, which looks to be a permanent one, not helping with many businesses coming under fire for violations in recent years. I don't know where to begin, Jeff. They don't care anything about these migrant kids. Not a thing, okay? What? You have Mr. Chang's dumb letter. It's actually a really ignorant, dumb letter, okay? It's, he's the kind of person that you release that letter to me and I'm an investigative journalist. We usually don't show up at executives' homes, bankers' homes. I'd show up at his house. You're not gonna give me that letter. I got questions for you. And you get out of your car, maybe it's behind a fence, and you'd have a microphone. Even if I had to deliver a pizza, I have questions for you, and I'm gonna ask you some tough questions, Mr. Chang. If this has got me, Jeff, your turn. Well, you brought up the Childish Gambino song, This Is America, and look. When people talk about how great America is while expressing American exceptionalism, they bring up available freedoms and rights versus like slavery and oppression and other human rights issues in other countries. And I want to be like, have you heard of Alabama? Like, this is happening here. Have you heard of the United States? Don't talk about China or North Korea or India or any other place. Have you heard of the American South and what's going on here? And even with all that being said, like the United States, we, we take advantage of really poor labor laws in other countries in order to make our goods. Like I boycott a lot of industries and organizations and companies, but boy, do I buy a lot of Nike, a whole lot. So mm -hmm. yeah, this is who we are. This is America. You, you patent it right, you got it. And then the fine. $1.5 million is Mr. Chang's lunch money, okay? Okay, mm. <laughs> this is gas for his private jet. An audit, a recent audit, we now think we're in compliance and we've worked with the Department. You don't work with the Department of Labor unless you've done some nasty, some <laughs> real nasty. And that's what they've done, okay? You didn't just call up the Department of Labor and say, you know what, I think that we, we have an issue here that we kind of want to deal with. And so we wanted your guidance. It's the other way around, Mr. Chang. The journalists smoked you out. You are treating children like really slaves. You're treating them like child slaves in your factories because God forbid one less vehicle hits the roadways. God forbid we can't get consumers what they need. Should I stop now, Jeff? You said it all. I'm sorry, I paused there because I'm like, well, I don't have anything to add, even though it's not supposed to provide commentary. But when you nail it, I'm just quiet. So I'm sorry, you got all of it right. Excellent journalism out of Reuters. <laughs> I apologize, it's really called filibustering. <laughs> You're our guest host, but I couldn't help it. As I got deeper and deeper into Mr. Chang's, you know what? Okay, you need those, those waiter boots that my stepfather got me as a child and I hated to walk. I can't feel the bottom, okay? That's what you need for what Mr. Chang is 
dumping on the rest of us. It's a story we need to keep following. Um, buy whatever car you want to. I know what I'm not going to buy. Okay, <laughs> we'll take a break. Jeff Wiggins is our co-host today. This is indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. We're right back. Well, that first block of indisputable really got, I don't know, it just whew, did something to me. And apparently it did something to you too. Uh, reading your comments now, TYT member Lynn. Uh, this is about the cop that shot the unarmed man at the middle school. Just trying to pick up his brother with his mom and her boyfriend. Lynn says the worst foreshadowing ever. Quote, mm. I'm uncomfortable around cops. They say you are resisting when you're not. And what did we hear, Jeff, in the footage? Stop resisting, okay? Yep. We're blew him away. Uh, I agree with you, Lynn, couldn't agree more. I am sock says, so you can't go faster than 20 miles per hour in a school zone, but cops have no problems firing guns in them. Well, yeah, I guess sock, yeah, pretty much. Hey, can I add something though? Where's the people who say, what about the children? Where they at right now? Mm. Deafening silence, <laughs> hello. Anyone there? Yeah, I agree with you. Hyundai, hiring child labor, migrant workers, $1.5 million fine. And Mr. Chang, the CEO's dumb letter. Mickey C, the silver haired dragon says, and will they now have to compensate those children for the hours they worked and pay a massive fine? We know not a one of them will serve time. And that's really the rub to me. What do you mean penalties? You're doing something illegal. You're abusing, I'm not a lawyer, but aren't you abusing children, right? It's abuse of children, it's endangering the welfare of a minor, something like that. This is something I heard on one of these cop shows, lawyer shows, and I think it applies, I really do. So yes, Mickey C, uh, let's go to YouTube, Snack Panther. Oh, the lovely Sharon Reed indeed, and Jeff, get wiggy with it, Wiggins. Have a great Friday show. Snack Panther lightening the mood, and I like that because I, I was getting I mean, real heated. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for lightening the mood, but that nickname better not catch on for me. Like that's you know we can get wiggy can, with it. Yeah, we yeah. can we can leave that might, right yeah, where it was. Okay, now yeah, that I read, yeah, yeah. I heard it. I just heard what I said. Okay, Thank well you. Snack Panther, maybe try again. But we appreciate the the compliments. <laughs> we thank uh, the cop who shot the unarmed man again. YouTube Neil Mix says, "What have cops done to you?" Two minutes later. They shoot him. Okay. It, it it would be a comedy if it wasn't so deadly. And now this family has to sue to get justice. Remember, these cops, no punishment, not even more training. This is horrific procedures that they use. Horrific. Wow. About Hyundai, Adrian Vixen says they aren't employees. If they are trafficking victims, they are slaves. I agree with you. So let's keep it all the way 100. They didn't hire underage kids. These kids don't have a choice, right? I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a in Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Yeah. 
I'm on it right now. I'm not waving your business. And believe me, I will check it, okay? I'm, I'm a certain suitcase. You probably even know what that means, do you? Karen, why not just pick up your pizza and go? Why, why are you doing this? Why not pick up the pizza and go? There really should be very little interaction. Do you take Apple Pay? Okay, if not, pay, take your pizza, and then go eat the whole thing. We know you were going to eat it all, okay? But wait, there's more. And she's videotaping me. Yeah, because you're a racist. You're a racist. Yeah, you are. You're a victim. You're a racist. You're a victim. I'm not a victim. You're a victim. No, I'm an American. No, you're a racist. You're a racist. You're a victim. You're a racist. No, I'm not racist. I'm not over here trying to get my money back because you're shopping at a pizza shop. You're the racist. I'm going to. Film you right now, and I got 4,000 followers. This is our first Karen. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> I've been here, I've been in Hafro over yeah. 100 years. So you're going to share with everybody that you're racist? No, yeah. you're racist, no. honey. You're racist. Very racist. I won't. I, I, Why don't you keep saying what you were just saying, though? I'm at Amy's, and I am being bullied by these Bullied? <laughs> I have everything and on video. And because I am white, they are videotaping I'm white me. I'm white they are videotaping me because I am white. See them? They're calling me a racist because I am white. No, no, no. We're calling you a racist because you're racist. I am not Mrs. Blue Hair. So she's completely riled up first because. Spanish programming is playing on the television inside the pizza shop. That's all. She made her very angry, okay? And then you saw, I don't know what she was doing in Facebook Live. She was going live, okay? Not very original. They're recording her, Jeff. And this Karen decides, I'm recording you. And she said words like bullying. And now you are recording me only because I am white. What do you do with this? This. Well, so I was looking for a loop, like a pattern in this whole situation. And not just with this Karen specifically, but with Karen's overall. And here's what I noticed from this one. It's it's a, I know you are, but what of my situation to where she said that girl was being a victim. And then she claimed she was being bullied. You see, you see, you see? And then since they were recording her, she has decided to record them. Are you see what I'm? You see what I'm playing yeah. this? Yeah. <laughs> and so it's all a feedback loop. And so I do wish they could have ignored her, but I'm glad they put her out there because hopefully we can do something about it. You know? Yeah. That's what we do here. We expose them so they can go away. And you know, if her employer was contacted or something like that, you know. Maybe that will go a long way in the helping this situation. Yeah, I agree. But I don't agree that they should have ignored her. Most of the time I say, because these people, they're multiplying so fast. These Karens mm. are everywhere. You go to check your mail, one's you know, popped out of the bushes. Mm. Okay, so they are everywhere. They've infected every aspect, every corner of our lives. I wish that another Spanish speaking employee would have come up to the register, stood right there. And just began to translate everything she said to the employee in Spanish, which really would have set her off even more. 
how can it be? But you're right, they always do go to their playbook. They change the mm-hmm. narrative, they lie, Oh, I'm being bullied, Oh, it's because I'm white. And then there's still more, it's because of the food. I am simply asking for a refund because their food, their food is terrible. You said that you want a refund no, because you played Spanish on, on a TV. Card. I want a <laughs> refund on my credit card. I'm at Amy's in Hatboro, Pennsylvania. I want a refund on my credit card. And they are calling me racist because I am white. And none of them are white. And well, you started videotaping me. I asked you, why aren't you giving me a refund on my credit card? Why aren't you? Why won't you do it? I'm waiting. I got my card right here. Right here. Right here. So now she does like telenovelas, but she doesn't <laughs> like the pizza. Okay, which is it? Because we cannot keep up with the lies, Jeff. Well, <laughs> in, while I was trying to keep up with the lies, I had to check myself because I'm like, did she? Did she take a bite of the food and now she's saying she doesn't like it? Or is this just a yet another excuse she's making because she doesn't really know what to do with herself? And so, no, I don't think she had any of the food like that time. Probably she had it before, liked it, and came back. But this time she's saying she doesn't like the food that she did not have this time. And she wants a re Just watch the telenovela. Like, I'm pretty sure it's dramatic and very cool. Like, just sit down, eat the pizza, like you said earlier. And just watch the soap opera. I bet it's dope. Dope. And you don't need to speak the language. Just follow along, okay? It is just, it's steamy, it's unpredictable. Things that, you know, she perhaps could appreciate. We should tell you a cop did show up. We don't know how the situation was handled, how this anti, how the Karen was handled. And I do want to give a shout out, though, to the anti Karen employee who was in the back. I don't know if that was the one filming, but said, you know what? You're a racist, I'm white, get out of here, okay? But we'll continue to follow this one. <laughs> Can we put her close up just one more time? Do we have time for that? Because I want you to know this uh-huh. face. This I hate Spanish television face. It's just, she's gotta be dealt with. Wrongly convicted man, finally out, okay? New York man convicted. Syracuse. Anthony Broadwater is his name, wrongfully convicted of rape over 40 years ago, is set to receive a $5.5 million payout from the state of New York. The man spent 16 and a half years in state prison, 23 years on the sexual assault offender registry. The victim, 1981 rape, Alice Siebold. Falsely accused Broadwater of the crime. 1999, Siebel published Lucky. That was an account of her ordeal in which she described seeing a black man in the street months later, whom she believed to be her rapist. Broadwater was arrested, but despite Siebel failing to identify him in a lineup, authorities put him on trial anyway. 
Seabold identified Broadwater as a rapist on the stand. You see how that works? Mm. I really just picture her in the shadows peeking out. It's really what she did. He maintained his innocence, Mr. Broadwater did. He was denied release five times because he refused to admit guilt when he was released. The year Lucky was published, he was required to register as a violent sex offender. Best-selling author, sex offender. Now, how did the conviction get overturned? Well, it's interesting, a reexamination of the case found serious flaws in Broadwater's arrest and trial, including microscopic hair analysis that tied him to the crime, but was later deemed to be unreliable. The unraveling of Broadwater's conviction came five months after Timothy Mukanti, the producer of a planned film adaptation of Lucky, developed doubts about Broadwater's culpability. So they were gonna adapt this into a film, Lucky, best-selling author, everything's great. And then the people behind the adaptation said, this something doesn't smell right here with your account here. You, it just doesn't sound right. So he hired the producer, private investigator Dan Myers. After a conversation over an hour with Anthony Broadwater, I knew this guy was innocent. Myers, a 20 year police veteran told the Washington Post, eventually the conviction was vacated. Now the apology. Hmm. After all those years, years later, after writing about a role in helping him get convicted and after his exoneration, Siebold apologized to Broadwater. Apology was not given in person, but in an open letter on medium.com. Is this for clickbait? She did it? I added that. She wrote first, I want to say that I'm truly sorry to Anthony Broadwater, and I deeply regret what you have been through. Did she not mean what? I helped put you through, apparently not. I'm sorry most of all for the fact that the life you could have led was unjustly robbed from you. And I know that no apology can change what happened to you and never will. Ms. Siebold, whose book has been removed from publication, continued to explain that at the time of the accusation, she was a young woman who put her faith in the American legal system. <laughs> She was a young white woman who put her faith in the American legal system. Siebold said her goal in 1982 was justice, not to perpetuate injustice, but that's what she did. Broadwater accepted Siebold's apology, said he will not file any charges or sue her regarding the wrongful accusation, despite losing almost 40 years of his life. Can you get me Mr. Broadwater's number, please? And then I'll continue on with the statement because he might need to revisit that. I need to speak to him right away. This included not being able to work at certain jobs or even have children because of his status as a sex offender. In 2021, when his conviction was overturned, he said, quote, I would not bring children into this world because of this. And now we're past that age, we can't have children. Jeff robbed of pretty much his entire life and Ms. Siebold writes an open letter on medium.com. Couldn't pick him out of a lineup, but suddenly she was emphatic from the stand, okay? I want to get to Mr. Broadwater, okay? 
She has some coins made off of the lie in his back. She should offer him that. And she should work hard tirelessly the rest of her life in my view, Jeff, to make some sense of this. What say you? Yeah, I would imagine she has the means in order to have a one-on-one face-to-face connection with this victim. But I want to go back to something you just alluded to because the article from Atlanta Black Star highlighted this, and I want to represent it as well. This ruling was appealed and an appellate court upheld the conviction under the defense notion that the five black men in the police lineup looked alike. All five? So they either shows five men who look alike, or you think all black men look alike. And that, that is, yeah, <laughs> and that's really mm-hmm. disheartening as a black man, or I don't know, as a human person, because just walking down the street, <clears throat> if somebody doesn't, or if they're not able to differentiate my features from someone else that doesn't look like me, then you mean to tell me I could be in a usual suspect lineup as well? That yes, yes, okay, yes, all of that, okay. And I credit the the people who were behind the adaptation that never took place. Yeah, who said, "Mm, remember, it was them. Let's not give her any real credit. They said, this we want to do the project, Miss Siebel, but this is something stinks, and it's your book and everything in it." And we need to investigate. Okay, they they did the work, and they had a simple phone conversation, and they knew this does not add up, Jeff. Why are people like this allowed to just nothing to see here? Medium.com. Let me pen a letter. Sorry, not sorry. I mean, it goes back to what Siebel said about trusting in the justice system. She can do this because she simply can. She can identify somebody who did something to her, but not really. And then she can live the rest of her life very comfortably. So America has allowed this and the justice system has allowed this. She said it herself. I shouldn't get involved, but I do want to speak to Mr. Broadwater to stir him up and reverse course and get you a lawyer, Mr. Broadwater, and and some of that money. Much more indisputable, I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Jeff Wiggins is our co-host today, we're right back. Welcome back to Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Jeff Wiggins joins us once again. Always love having him as our co-host, Rebel HQ, extraordinary host. And also, um, tell us about, about your show. Host My YouTube channel? Gonna, yeah, we gonna be all right. Oh man, we gonna be all right. You should come and join <laughs> us because look, no matter what I say, and it gets kind of deep and heavy with the videos, with the episodes, but it's important for me to end each and every one by saying we're gonna be all right because I firmly believe that most of the time. Yeah, and we need the reminder. Let's get some of your comments in here. TYT member Karen says, "Oh no, that Karen didn't. My dad was a World War II vet. World War II wasn't fought to make English the only language spoken in the U.S. This." This just makes me so mad. I agree with you. I agree with you, imploded Brainy. Um, the Karen is just, they just keep getting more over the top, okay? But yes, all that history she referenced, get out of here. Let's uh, get you another one. 
All of Siebold's money from Lucky should be awarded to Mr. Broadwater and a significant portion of the profits from her other works movies. I agree, I definitely agree. She made a mint off of this man, okay? And she should have to give up some coin. Progressive Alaskan says the publishers of the book owe him all the back royalties tied to the book. The publishers profited off of this lie. And one more real quick, see Michael Henson, YouTube member. Karen, just learn Spanish. That way you won't feel threatened when you hear it spoken around you. Is she a victim calling a victim a victim? Pretty much. <laughs> yes. Okay. Pretty much. We do want to get you an update on a story that we covered extensively and couldn't believe. I mean, we could believe it because it is what it is. A woman arrested for a trash bill. This senior, senior citizen arrested for a trash bill. Okay. Had the case dismissed. Updating that, Alabama trash company having residents arrested over unpaid trash bills. Alabama again, is this you? Is this what's going on down there? Keep providing the material. For those who need a reminder, let's show you video of one of the arrests. You should have got a phone call from the code enforcement about a month ago saying, hey, you need to come pay your trash bill. We're not, not saying anything because my daughter takes care of that for me. You know, I, I, I'm just saying. Okay, well, she had not been doing it. And you gotta go with me today. Anything you need to grab right quick, you can. And um, we'll be going on down the way. So, what would I have to pay? It'll be $285 to get out at the PD. If not, I have to take it to the county jail. Oh, Lord. Oh. Yeah, I'm gonna put you in these right quick. Okay, they're gonna be in the front. Oh, I, I got you. I got you. Okay. I'm appreciating yourself. Arresting. I am so. I am so sorry, but the law is the law, Miss Man. I can't believe it. That's a rookie cop. The law is not the law, and you should have gone back to the precinct and said no one was home. Is what you should have done. The law is not the law. There's a law for a black 82 year old senior citizen with a $77 unpaid trash bill. Okay, and then there's Karen ranting and raving at the pizza joint. The law is not the law. We'll remind you the woman who saw, you saw in the video, Martha Lewis Menefield, 82 years old, arrested after failing to appear in court to answer summons about her arrears on that bill, $77. The Valley Police Department received backlash from the community, drew so much attention that rapper Trey, the truth, helped raise over $30,000 for Miss Menefield. Good for her. Another person arrested, Natasha Johnson, had an update in her case too. Had her case dismissed on Wednesday by an Alabama judge for her unpaid $85 trash bill. Last week, Johnson's lawyer, Ellen Degnan, and Michael West with the Southern Poverty Law Center filed a motion to throw out the case. They argued on November 30th that the complaint filed against their client did not charge a criminal offense. This is again, we've seen this in other places like debtor's prison or something. It's really what they're doing here. Remember Ferguson? 
Southern Poverty Law Center spoke about other cases. Although we are pleased that Ms. Jackson's ordeal is over, City of Valley is currently prosecuting other people for violating a statute that does not make non-payment a crime. We ask officials to dismiss those charges too and to take proactive steps to ensure that people who fall behind on their trash bills are not unfairly punished for their poverty. That's what's going on here. I have to get rid of waste, okay? You're charging us and then they can't pay. Now they have to go become part of the system, be locked up. Yeah, class action lawsuit against the waste company. Federal class action lawsuit filed last month against the city of Valley and their trash service provider, Am Waste. Lawsuit accused the two parties of violating the residents' constitutional rights. Santini Little filed the lawsuit because she is a former resident of Valley and a victim of not paying her trash bill. 2011, Little claimed she was arrested for her unpaid trash bill of less than $150 and then jailed on 2,500 bond for the same offense again in 2013. Lawsuit also accused Dan Waste and the city of engaging in a pattern of racketeering activity by using the threat of jail along with intimidation to extort money from people such as Little, Johnson, Menefield, many others. Neither the city of Valley nor Amways had responded to the accusations filed in the lawsuit against them. I like the word racketeering here. We've been covering cases in Atlanta and there's some strong opinions you know, against rappers, other people that this is too Rico and all that, too strong. You're rolling out these charges to try to Get an outcome that perhaps does not dictate the alleged offense. But here I like the word racketeering, Jeff, in this class action lawsuit against the city and Amways, the waste company, because they do seem like they're conspiring. Pay up or go to jail? Yeah, name it what it is, call a spade a spade. It sounds like racketeering. The officer said while arresting this woman, the law is the law, ma'am. And I, for me, I heard like, well, why is that a law? And you alluded to her earlier, Sharon. Essentially, her crime is being poor. And oh. someone rich or well off or wealthy, that same penalty is no penalty at all. And it's going back to the Hyundai thing that we spoke about earlier, where they were fined, what, $1.2 million. And for that individual, that corporation, nothing. So she was sent to jail for this. And while we can give a shout out to Trader Truth for what he did, it shouldn't have come to that. So mm -hmm. hopefully, proactively moving forward, this won't happen to anyone else. And maybe we can come up with something, I don't know, to where if someone does fall behind on a trash bill, they don't have to go to prison. They don't have to go to jail, I mean. Yeah, and this whole thing is a scheme, okay? And because First of all, this private company and this whole little arrangement that they have, where instead of doing what you or I would have to do with our perhaps private company to go collect debts, cost money to go chase debts that people owe you, but it's the cost of doing business. They're enlisting the taxpayer dollars. They're sending the police to go round these people up. And then the taxpayers have to pay to house them in jail, feed them, whatever else goes on there. It's sick. That's why I said they're conspiring together. Why are you sending this? It sounded like a, his voice, rookie cop. <laughs> Law's the law. It looked like it was a two-person, you know, 
patrol that showed up there, Miss Menafield, 82 years old, $77, okay? Rookie cop should have broke open his piggy bank and gave her the money to pay, the, pay that, okay? And end this thing. But it's really sad that a lot of these jurisdictions are existing on the backs of people instead of serving them, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. They they weren't there to service the community. They were there to enforce the law, which should not be a law whatsoever. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. Let the class action lawsuit prevail. Um, we have to. I've been waiting on this story. I thought about maybe even leading with it because. It is so bizarre, and the principle in the story is so vile, universally vile. But we decided to save this one for the end. Alex Jones claims that his bankruptcy proceeding, the government is after his pet cat. That cat <laughs> says the feds <laughs> want that thick, furry cat. That he is emotionally attached to. And the feds wanted, according to Alex Jones, to compensate the families affected by his Sandy Hook lies, torture after the shooting. I'll let him speak and then we'll unpack it. Okay, so this is not a joke. This is real and this really happened. And I just got home tonight with my family. So my wife's shooting this video. I'm in a bankruptcy hearing, personal and corporate for InfoWars. And the Justice Department is involved and asked me to be, ordered me to be at a hearing today. And they spent probably five minutes of the meeting that was over three hours long on my cat. Now this is Mushu, my five-year-old daughter named Mushu this two years ago. And they wanted to know if assets were hidden in the cat. The cat was like $2,000 and it is a ragdoll cat and we really do love it. But they were very serious about the cat and its value and they may want the cat for the Sandy Hook families. So the deal's broke. You guys aren't getting the cat. Uh, this is next level, this is harassment. No one's ever heard of this, my lawyers never heard of this. Uh, this is just insane. And I mean, what, do you want my children next? Do you wanna like sacrifice my children or something? So so this cat is really sweet. My daughter really likes the cat. Uh, he's a little bit tired of me holding him. But I mean, here he is. This is, this, is, this is the terrorist right here that they want. And this is the reality uh, that we live in here in America in 2023. Justice Department hearings with people laughing in the background when they say, we want your cat. And it was kind of like that woman on the grand jury in Georgia, like, I wanted to put, get Trump under my control. And, and they're literally like, tell us about your cat. You know, what's your cat's value? They're trying to like stir me up or something. It doesn't stir me up. It makes me really upset uh, for this country. They're mad, they don't have these billions of dollars they claimed I did, just because they lied in the media and said I had these things, it's not real. And now they want my cat. Ladies and gentlemen, the line in the sand is you cannot have the cat. I'm sorry. We are going to get the cat. And <laughs> number one, we're going to get the cat because Mushu, is that the name, Jeff? Mushu? 
it Mushu desperately needs to be rescued. Mushu. Okay, Mushu needs to come up out of that house. Is it not, the house is not good for Mushu? Okay, so and we don't really care if you're upset, Alex Jones. This is despicable. Let's give you some more background. Details of Jones's finances released inside a Texas bankruptcy court, which revealed that despite filing for bankruptcy in December last year, he still manages to spend almost one hundred thousand dollars a month and has ten million dollars in assets, two thousand of which are Mushu, according to this guy. Among those expenditures, it was noted the cat. Okay, the cat. Now we have some strong investigators on the indisputable staff. We're not sure that cat cost $2,000. If it did, Mr. Jones got taken, okay? This time you got taken like you do other people, okay? But Jeff, I wonder what your thoughts are as the government did have a whole hearing and did question him about this cat. They are fully intent on seizing it. Well, it's weird that he spent $2,000 on a cat in the middle of bankruptcy hearings. That doesn't look good. And that further lets us know who Alex Jones is. And if I could demo this, I would if my chair pivots. But you know how in movies, when the villain has his back to you and then he spins in the chair and he has his cat and he's petting it? Yeah, yeah. that's yes. what Alex Jones just did. He lets us know that he's really the villain. I have a black shirt, my cat's right here. I could have done it, but I don't really, my chair, yeah, my chair doesn't spin. Never mind that. He spent $2,000, like my calico was way cuter than that cat. And he spent $2,000 on it? What is going on? Are you concerned at all as I am about the welfare of Mushu? I'm concerned. Yeah, that cat wanted to get out of its arms immediately. Yeah, yeah, immediately. Like that, that cat was being held there as a prop. And the cats are smart. That cat knew what was going on. Intuitive are these cats and wanted to escape. And so. Uh, hashtag rescue Mushu. I love it. And perhaps okay. we should spearhead that because I got to tell you, $2,000 and then he's spending $100,000 a month, the government says, right? On mm-hmm. what? Now, I admit cat food's not cheap. My daughter has a few. You crack open a can of tuna and it's like crack to them. <laughs> and tuna, everything's gotten more expensive, but not to the tune of $100,000. And not to somebody who's inflicted such harm. The case went forward, the jury has spoken, and he needs to pay up, okay? And get Mushu off the counter as well. I'll give you the last word, Jeff. Don't let cats on counters and tables where the fruit and food go. Well, come on now. Nasty. <sighs> You're nasty, okay? I love having you. I love your insight. I felt. Like we had a very angry show. And even seeing the emotional support (laughs) animal at the end, it just does not get me off of the ire. I do want our investigative team to follow up and and figure out the welfare, the well being of Mushu. And we'll see what happens with Alex Jones. Hashtag rescue Mushu. That's right. Get Mushu out of that house. Tell people where they can find you, Jeff. Yeah, you can find me on Rebel HQ almost every day, depending on how many videos I make this week. And you can catch me on my YouTube channel called We Gonna Be All Right. And how many cats do you have? Maybe you can foster one big fat Alex Jones. Oh, no, 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 no. I got one cat, her name is 
her name is Delilah Mercury. She's co-queens with my wife, and they don't tolerate with other stuff trying to out-queen them. So that's all I need. Like, I don't need anything else demanding my time and affection and attention. Uh, no, thank you. That's all we got. That was emphatic. Jeff, we love you. Thank you. The bullpen is next. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. With us today is Brianna Holt. Let me introduce this extraordinary lady, senior reporter for Insider. She is going to talk about the topic of weathering. And if you haven't heard of it, it is leading to premature health issues for black women in America, weathering is how constant racism, discrimination, stressors, so many of them against black women has taken a weathering toll on their life expectancies. It is a serious topic. Ms. Holt is an author, writer, journalist. She's written for various publications, including the New York Times, The Guardian, The Atlantic. She is currently a senior reporter at Insider. Her book, In Our Shoes, is a must read a collection of essays analyzes the ludicrous standards black millennial women are expected to live up to. I feel like she wrote my biography, okay? <laughs> That's really what it feels like, Brianna. So welcome to the bullpen. Thank you, I'm really excited to be here. We're honored to have you. Um, I think I wanna start with this question. What was it like to go through this particular subject matter? And what I'm really getting at is the PTSD of it. We're so tired, we're so put upon. Was it difficult to write? Yeah, well, I will start off by saying, yes, it definitely was difficult to write. But if anything, it was eye-opening um, to my own experience um, from interviewing different sources, um, especially Arlene, who who, who we credit for creating the term weathering um, to the different black women that I interviewed for this piece, just hearing their, their own experiences. I was able to self-reflect and realize that a lot of these experiences are shared, whether um, myself or my family members or the women in my close circle. And so it really caused me to just self-reflect on the ways that I am weathering um, on my own. Yeah. And I think the frustrating part as we, we look at your collection of essays and everything else that you put out there because it's so timely is that we so often want the other side, other people, white women, let's start there, to understand, to get it. And I don't know that they ever can. Do you think there's something in your written work that can help with that? And is it necessary? Yeah, so I think, um, especially like when I think of my book, I write that I put a lot of pressure specifically on white women um, to be allies uh, to black women because I feel like that is where most of the power lies in order to reach higher power white men. Um, I would hope that because of our shared gender identity, um, even though our experiences are not exactly the same, while all, a, a great example would be while all women in America, um, suffer from a high um, having pregnancy complications for you know a country that is very developed. At the same time, black women are four times more likely to have those complications. But you would hope that because we still do have that similar experience that um, white women would understand and want to help um, even more. 
And so just going back to your question, I think um, it's important to note that weathering can happen to anyone. Um, weathering can happen to anyone that is being exposed to repeated stressors. And while it is more persistent with black people, specifically black women, um, anyone who is living in a low income neighborhood, anyone who is suffering from unemployment, um, anyone who may come from a different marginalized background could be experiencing weathering. Give us some of the most prominent examples that you came across of this weathering. Yeah, well, some of the most prominent examples of what weathering can can result in is pregnancy related complications, high blood pressure, insomnia, cardiovascular diseases, diabetes, and other diseases as well. Um, and these are coming from just a multitude of things, microaggressions, which people typically what I don't like about the word microaggression is the word micro. It's aggression mm -hmm. that is micro, that is small. But when those build up over time, um, it has a very macro effect. So how micro is an aggression that can over time result in pregnancy-related complications, high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease. Um, just being exposed to the trauma daily in the news, that's when I realized that I was experiencing weathering um, going back to summer 2020 working as a journalist and not being able to really take a break from the news that was happening because it still is my job to report it and put it out there. Um, at the same time, I was being overworked. I was being highly tasked with these pieces because I am a Black writer, because I'm mm -hmm. a Black journalist, and not being able to break away from it. And as a result, um, I became very anxious, um, which we know anxiety can lead to elevated blood pressure. I did end up at the age of 26 having elevated blood, blood pressure and was put on medicine for it. Um, and I was dealing with insomnia. I couldn't sleep at night. And so long term, um, those have really negative impacts and effects on my body. Yeah, they do. And I'm struck by you know your piece because there seems to be no escape from it, right? You're talking, I'm a journalist too. Not only were you reporting, investigating. But, but I felt at that time we had to be the chief explainers <laughs> back in the newsroom with a friend, uh, you know, a non-brown friend. Constantly, it was coming at us. What can we do to escape some of this? Can we? Yeah. Well, one thing I note in my piece, which I wasn't aware of until I interviewed Arlene, um, is that you cannot buy your way out of weathering. Um, it doesn't matter how healthy your diet is. It doesn't matter how much you're exercising. Um, it has nothing to do with that. At the end of the day, it is related to this stress that is completely out of our control. Um, just from living in the society that we live in as Black people, as Black women. And so the steps when I did ask for it, I was like, so what steps can someone take? Because is that, is that the conclusion? Mm -hmm. Weathering happens, we have no way out of it. But it's really to try to look at your situation and see what stressors that you can take out, if any. Um, so if you are working at a job where you are being underpaid, overworked, constantly expo exposed to microaggressions, of course, we don't all have the luxury of just quitting the job and leaving. But start taking the steps to leave that job and find something else. Be aware of what is contributing to your weathering so that you can start making an exit plan. Whether mm -hmm. it's a relationship, um, whether it is the job, 
whether it is some of your friendships. I remember, just like you mentioned, during the summer of 2020, I had a lot of my non-Black friends reaching out to me for advice and wisdom. And and it was very insensitive. And I had to just let them know, I'm. if anything, you should be checking on me and asking if I'm okay, but not asking me for more information. Um, Google is free. The internet is available. Go find the material that you need yourself. Like we are all adults and it is very simple to do. Um, wow. and, and so I think putting that forward and just really creating barriers with the different type of stressors in your life that you are able to is really important. Yeah, like taking care of you, setting up boundaries. I had a similar experience with a friend who, well, I haven't checked on her in a long time because I had to tell her the same thing. They always seem to find the information though and send you Candace Owens little latest missives as if, well, I, I didn't know. Yeah. They know plenty. I want to know what the reaction has been because I had not heard the term. And once I got the information, it clicked and it was like, oh, now I, it doesn't make me feel good that there's not much we can do about it. You know, we're the victims of this, but we can empower ourselves in some way. So, what has been the reaction, both from women of color, black women, and others? Yeah. So the women within my circle, um, when I made them aware of the term weathering through this article or just started talking to them about it, a lot of us, it, it was just like an answer. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, that makes sense. Maybe that is why I have high blood pressure at this age, or maybe that is why I have insomnia. All of these things that we're trying to attribute to, and yes, a lot of them can be hereditary, but trying to understand why we're having them at such early onset. I have white friends who have family members who have high blood pressure and we are all 26, 27, 28, and they are not experiencing it yet. So what is happening in my situation and with my friends of color, with my black woman friends that we are experiencing these things much earlier. Um, And one thing that really stuck out for me was in in the article, um, when you look at the chromosome, chromosomal markers for aging, black women in middle age look more than seven times older than their white counterparts. And I think just being aware of that really made me just even rethink um, the future. Like I'm someone who I thought maybe I wanted to have my, I wanted to have kids in my mid thirties. Um, but this whole study started with Arlene working in a pregnancy center and was realizing that the black teenage pregnant women that were coming in had drastically different, um, drastically different, I guess, I don't want to say organs, but their organs were at a different health than that of the white pregnant teenagers that were coming in at the same age. And so to think that these people were teenagers and they already saw the biological aging um, at that young of an age during that time, pre-social media, pre-the internet, pre-constantly being exposed to things, it really makes me think differently about well, what, what is my, the health of my body truly? And so rethinking the age to have children, do I even want to carry my own children? Um, and it's, it's mm. sad that black women have to think this way, but it, it's reality. Yeah, it seems like it, having the diagnosis is power, is really mm-hmm. what you're saying. And doing something about it um, perhaps is that option. Um, I want to give you the last word on other things that perhaps you discovered in your reporting that we as black women 
may not realize and may need to take a look at a long look. Yeah, I think one thing that we need to take a long look is the way that we process strength. I think um, as black women, we are taught to power through, to be resilient, to be strong, and to be independent and take on a lot of the brunt of work on our own. And I think that is actually in some ways having a negative effect on our body. While it may have a positive impact on our career, um, on our livelihood in other ways, I think being independent, um, relying on yourself, having others rely on you and being strong could be leading to this weathering. Because a lot of the things that we take on and we are told to be strong and resilient through are things that other women have the support of a partner, friends, family supporting them through. And so to remember that weathering, again, is is tied to repeated exposure to stressors. Um, Again, it is not food, it is not working out. So really locating what stressful situations you are in, are you handling them alone independently? And that probably makes it much tougher. And so to lean on your community, ask for help. It is okay to be I don't even want to call asking for help being soft, but it is okay to not mm-hmm. always be strong and independent. Wow, I think you've helped us so much because what you're also giving us permission to do is to stop expecting the impossible thread a needle. That's where our power is. We know as black women what we can handle, what we have handled, but should we continue to put that upon ourselves and handle it? Brianna Hope. I think you are an eye-opening author and I look for more of your work um, to get published because we need you and we appreciate you very much. Thank you so much for joining us today on The Bullpen. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in to Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. The doc is back on Indisputable next week.